Welcome to a slice of orange covering Orange County politics. I'm Jody Baldwin, professor of political science at Fullerton College. And this is a special episode for me. Um, one of the reasons I follow local politics at all is because of the incredible journalists who cover it. Without information, it's impossible to know what's going on. Um, when I first moved to Orange County for college, besides the Daily Titan, covering Cal State Fullerton uh, and the Orange County Register, it was the Fullerton Observer newspaper that I really relied on to stay informed and to learn about my new city. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode with two of the trio currently at the helm of the Fullerton Observer, Sakia Kennedy and Jesse Latour. You'll hear about Sakia's grandparents, Ralph and Natalie Kennedy, who started the local paper, um, and you can read more about them in a different shade of orange, uh, and, and on the Observer's website history page, which really is the story that embodies the Margaret Mead quote, a small group of thoughtful people could change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So you'll find out more about this small group of volunteers that uh, started the Fullerton Observer back in 1978 and the current group of volunteers that keeps it going. You'll hear Gustavo Ariano's advice to just keep writing. You'll be asked whether we should all consider the lobster and how any of us might be the shoulders upon which future generations will stand as we honor the many who came before us and paved the way. Most of all, you'll learn how young people like Aruj Navi, Fullerton College alum, UCLA student, and zombie donuts employee are helping the Fullerton Observer move forward and how you, yes, you, can get involved in your own community and volunteer for the Fullerton Observer. So, Let's get started. So welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm excited to talk with Jesse Latour and Sakia uh, Kennedy with the Fullerton Observer. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm excited to learn more. This is the paper I love to read. Um, tell me about taking ownership of the Fullerton Observer uh, that served our community for uh, since 1978. Saskia, yes. do you want to take that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my grandfather, Ralph Kennedy, uh, was running for office and he um, city council and um, he got brutally maligned by the the uh, media just before the day before the election happened and lost the election in Atlanta, you know. Um, and, and, and this is back when everyone subscribed to a paper and election day was one day. Yeah. And so a, a bombshell like that really had an effect. Yes. So it, 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 uh, it was um, lies that were headlining you know, and they they really destroyed, you know, his base um, and a lot of people's faith in him. So it didn't the election didn't go his way and it was very upsetting. They retracted it later, but it was too late, you know, so absolutely um, too late. Yeah, the, the vote had been cast. So. Um, so he gathered some of his friends and had dinner and, and um, talked about what they could do. And they decided to do a newspaper 
that would reflect the ideals and values of their group and also um, hopefully influence people and um, to get involved in their local community and their local politics, especially um, to make things change just by um, telling them what was happening, not and where to get involved not necessarily right. telling them that they had to get involved or that, you know, or what to think. this is my slant. This is what you should believe sure. kind of thing. So they tried very hard to, if they reported on anything, they wanted to make sure that it was getting both sides of the story at all, if at all possible, would not, um, obviously they would disclose that also. Anyway, so that's kind of how it's how it started. Um, Barbara Johnson was was really uh, instrumental in the beginning. The she was the founder of FICE, the, the Faith Inter. Um, sorry, what does it stand for? Faith. Fullerton Interfaith Emergency Services, but yes. now it's, now it's Pathways of Hope. That's the yes. new version. Yeah. So the origin she, story of Pathways of Hope. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So she she actually uh, wrote. Um, I, I, you've seen receipt paper, right? The little thin receipt papers. Okay, so she used to type up every single story on ticker tape, which uh, which was oh, wow. like receipt paper. So they would have to cut each of the you know read the whole thing, cut each of the stories out, and then they would do it, paste it up on a board which they would take all the boards and give them to the printers. They would take photos and print yeah. papers. And it was Back uh, when cutting and pasting actually meant yes. cutting and pasting. <laughs> yes. Literally. And they, yeah. so they, they had a, a it was a, a huge team effort and a lot of chat checking and, and, you know, reading over everything, making sure that everything was, um, went together if you made one error it wasn't something you could just white out you had to rewrite it sure find, find that one letter and cut it out and paste right. that one letter just perfectly hope it didn't slip you know so, so this i mean this really truly is a family business right yeah. it, it's your grandparents now i've always been curious so I'm, i get to ask um i know that that your your, your grandfather ralph you know, really had this, um, this reason from the city council, but what about your grandmother, Natalie Kennedy? Is she a reluctant owner of a newspaper or is she the driving force of they have wronged you and we need to do this? She was extremely supportive of my grandfather and, and mostly, um, she, she was instrumental in, in so many ways, she she did the organizing, she did the meal planning uh, mm -hmm. for for a large group. She would invite people over to have discussions. She was the the person who would write, um, you know, why we need to have the paper. Ask your local, you know, um, your local coffee house or doctor's office to to carry it, um, you know. Come and come and pick them up from our house. Sure, and, sure. And deliver them to your neighborhood. Um, you know the reasons behind. The, she she used to write all sorts of things, little little things for the almost almost self advertising for the paper. 
yeah. to put in the paper, um, which I guess is why I became an advertising person <laughs> <laughs> in a way. Yeah. And then, um, and then your mom took, took up the helm. Then my Sarah grandfather Kennedy. died of yeah. cancer and my mom took up the helm and she had um, gone to school for computers um, graphics before. So she knew a little bit about computers and uh, she didn't know uh, how to lay out newspapers sure. well. And she didn't have a whole lot of training. Um, a lot of the volunteers, it's the, the Fullerton Observer is still volunteer based and community written. So we we strive to keep that, you know, keep yeah. keep people interested and and new new interested people like Arouge who who just started volunteering. Fullerton College alum UCLA student Arouge Navid is now a part of this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, you know, young people come in, they're vibrant, they have energy, they want to change the world, they want to yes. make things better and, and are interested and they get people inspired and and movement happening and yes. you know, going forward. And, and I think it's a really great opportunity. There's always this, this um, lag time after college where you can get involved in so many things and you can run the theater and you can publish the paper and all of these ways that college students, high school students are empowered on their campuses. And then there's this long lag time before anybody will ever give you that power again to run the Orange County Register or you know be the publisher of Voice of OC. And, and I always tell people, the Fullerton Observer will take you. The, the Fullerton Observer will let you do those things. Just go to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really exciting to get to talk to you to kind of open that, that, that door to say, if you are looking for a way, this is it. This is the, the vehicle. And I love the, the history of the paper, that, that you really are standing on the shoulders of these civil rights activists. And we'll get into the history of, of, of how it really started. Um, but the, the idea that these movements that we're seeing today, you know, have their roots in yeah. the same things that previous volunteers for the Fullerton Observer were really passionate about. Yeah. Can I? So Jesse, come on in. Because you also... You know, the, 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 the transition really has happened, what, 2020 is this new transition? About, well, before before we talk about me, I just wanted to add one, one, yeah. one things about um, Ralph, Ralph and uh, Natalie Kennedy, because I never, unfortunately, I never got to meet them personally, um, but I, I actually learned about them, not really from Sharon or from Saskia, but from reading about them in, um, there's a book called A Different Shade of Orange, and it's all about, um, like, you know, Black kind of pioneer um, people, especially kind of during like the civil rights era. And so I learned about Ralph and Natalie Kennedy from reading this book because they were, well, they were the only like white people that were interviewed in the book for one. And for two, they were, yeah, total civil rights activists uh, in an area that was like extremely conservative, you know, not, not down with, <laughs> with a lot of the, Stuff like, you know, supporting things like farm workers' rights, you know, with, with like Cesar Chavez. Um, back in the 50s, you know, they they uh, helped to um, uh, organize against like racially restrictive housing covenants when there was like a, a, a Chinese family that was trying to move into their neighborhood. And they had these, you know, these old, uh, you know, you talk about 
redlining, these you know racially restrictive covenants. Um, My grandmother went around with her kids and pregnant and from door to door getting uh, signatures. She she wasn't a person who just, you know, was behind the scenes necessarily. She was also very active in whatever she saw was injustice. She wanted to, to, to make a change. So she was yeah. very active. Sorry, Jesse. And I think it's important, you know, I think one of the, one of the stories of this is it's, there's a personal cost when you're going door to door and those are still your neighbors, even though they slam the door, you know, the, the bravery of, of your grandmother doing that in a, in a social era, you know, I, I didn't move down to Orange County until 1988. And so we're talking about decades before I got here. And I don't know that I would have felt comfortable knocking on doors in 1988 to talk about some of these things and, and the bravery and courage and, and potential social cost for the folks who started the Fullerton Observer, for the volunteers who were publishing this, and definitely for your grandparents who are doing these things far before um, the Observer is born, I think is, those are stories that need to be told. Yeah, I think that, and, and, oh, I forgot to mention too that Ralph uh, and, and I'm sure Natalie helped to found uh, the, what, the Fullerton Fair Housing Council, which became the Orange County Fair Housing Council. I mean, it's just reading about all the things that these folks did. I'm, I mean, and like you said, doing it in a time and a region where they were definitely the minority, you know, in terms of their views and what they were trying to kind of advocate for. So I, I, when I think of Ralph, I think not just of like a guy who got slighted in, you know, by the media. I mean, that was, that was the impetus for the, for the starting the observer, but really, it, you know, it's, it follows a trajectory of, I think his life of, somebody who is always caring about empowering, you know, people who are, um, you know, kind of marginalized or who are not getting a fair shake. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that power of using your voice, um, you know, that that the Fullerton Observer doesn't become just a hit job on the political enemies, right? That, That it truly becomes an honest and unbiased publication to empower others to get involved. Yeah, yeah, and, that's that's my goal, at least, and I think that's 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 the goal with the, the paper. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's go back. So you, you the, the two of you and is there a third partner taking ownership of the paper? Yes, yeah, Matt um, Leslie. Matt um, Leslie, yeah, he's um he's probably him and his partner Jane Rands are probably the two most knowledgeable people about um, city council shenanigans and stuff. They're they're very. Um, involved themselves, but just really kind of policy wonky, you know, they really know what's going on. Yeah. So, so Jesse, tell me, you know, give, what brought you to the paper? Why do you think local journalism is important? And, and, and then later we'll talk about what you want to do, but right now, just, you know, what brought you here and, and why do you think it's important? Yeah. So I think I probably was first became interested and started reading the, the Fullerton Observer, um, I want to say maybe 2008 or 2000 around there. I um, I, I started to kind of uh, follow the Cowdy Hills issue, and so the Observer, you know, has always done a really good job of covering this this kind of struggle between this, you know, you know, local people trying to preserve this open space, uh, Cowdy Hills, and then you know the various 
forces of like Chevron that owns it and then like city council people who are kind of, you know, Chevron friendly. And so this whole kind of struggle over preserving open space really interested me. And so I guess I started following it then. Um, and then I actually ran for city council in 2010. And so um, I think that's when I met Sharon because they always do a uh, like an interview thing. So um, <laughs> actually, I <laughs> I sent her a photo, but I was, I was kind of like, I don't know. I was like kind of a punk, uh, you know, then. So it was like a really bad photo. And so she's like, <laughs> I need to come over and like, I'll take a real photo of you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And then, I don't know. I just, you know, was interested. I kind of knew Sharon from around town. And then um, I think it was about 2016 or so. I saw her randomly downtown bumped into her and she said that she was trying to, you know, gather a group of people who would, you know, kind of maybe take the helm or, or, you know, take over the paper eventually as she was looking to retire. And, you know, she's a, a painter, like a really wonderful painter. And so she wanted to kind of f- focus on that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went over and there was, she had invited a bunch of people over to a couple meetings and, uh, and, you know, a lot of them are people who still, you know, contribute to the paper. But I guess for me, it was kind of at a, a period in my life where it really clicked where, I was like, okay, I'll I'll commit to doing the council notes. So I'll, I'll write, I'll cover the city council meetings, and if I can do that regularly, then maybe I'll try to do a little bit more. And it was kind of a slow process over a couple of years, where I was she was kind of mentoring me and teaching me how to do everything. This was kind of like I don't know, 2016, 2017, 2018. Weirdly, like you know, the Trump presidency. So it was a really odd time, you know, kind of a wild time to like be covering. Sure to become a journalist really because there was all these, you know, marches and rallies and all kinds of even stuff locally. So, um, yeah. So then I, I eventually I started doing some, you know, more layout. You'll give me a few pages to do. And it was really kind of this gradual process where ultimately it just kind of made sense where I was able to kind of do what she had been doing. You know, I mean, we, we have our, you know, different styles and stuff, but I think we were sure. kind of, I think we were, you know, ultimately, simpatico in our vision of like you know what the, what is the purpose of this it's really to you know as Saskia said like you know um, and even going back to Ralph and Natalie and everybody else who's contributed over the years there's countless people that we could name that it's yeah it's about empowering the community it's about you know um, and also especially now as people are talking about like media deserts and this whole like you know sort of decimation of local Uh, lack of like real you know uh, thorough good local coverage of things like city council meetings or you know um, housing issues or you know things that are you know really kind of hit people where they are Um, I think we we fill a a niche I mean I wish there were more kind of independent papers that were still existing you know like you know thankfully the observer continues because of a lot of people willing to give their time and efforts so I think yeah it fill it fills a need it's about empowering people to one be knowledgeable about what's happening and to um you know hopefully inspire them to to get involved and you know make a difference. Yeah, I I really do. I wish there was a Fullerton observer for every single city in Orange County and beyond. Yeah. Um there's so much that goes on and each each community is an ecosystem and and it is so crucial that it is covered and and there's so many cities in Orange County for the Orange County Register, the Los Angeles Times, or the Voice of OC to even try to give the coverage that just organically comes when the paper is centered in Fullerton. Yeah, yeah. And so I would love to teach anybody who wants to start their own newspaper, um, 
I, I would love to to help them figure out the the, the basics. And, yeah. And, and, and I think that that's one of the things, you know, when you learn, you know, the national media is so corporate and capitalist and, and cutthroat and competitive. And I think local media is the exact opposite where, you know, Norberto Santana at, at Voice of OC is like, come, I, I will teach you how to write an op-ed and I will publish it for you. And please, please join us. Um, and I think that that is, that is often not understood if you don't know local journalism of local journalists really do want everyone to get involved and they want to share and they want to collaborate and they want to empower. Um, and, and I see that in a really wonderful way of opening the door and, and collaborating and inviting people in. But if you don't know that, and that's one of the things I hope to do with this podcast and, and, and clearly with, you know, encouraging young people to get involved, is that there's this entire team of mentors just waiting. And, um, and, and, yeah. and, we, and we learn from them too, you know, I mean, it was, you know, we're like kind of of different generations, obviously than like the students that are coming up. And so, you know, we have people like, you know, we mentioned Arud, who's kind of spearheading our, our podcast effort, which we, me and Saskia talked about for a long time, but we both kind of felt like, like, don't know, like how to do this. Like, you know, we felt like we tried a little bit. This podcast would not exist without, without my young people, because I was like, I have no idea how to do that. And they jump in with both feet and say, I don't know how to do that either, but I can learn. And they know how to reach. uh, I was going to say too, like, um, like, you know, all the new, the kind of the new media that or social media and stuff, like they know how to like do that in ways that, that we really don't, you know, uh, it was funny. I was talking to a couple of interns recently about, um, you know, how we're basically just on Facebook. Technically we're on Twitter too, but you know, barely. And they were like, none of them were, they were all like, you know, like college students. None of them were even on Facebook. Like college kids aren't on, <laughs> like, right. they're on the, like the, uh, the one that hurt me the most was when my students said, Oh, I think my grandma's on there. Right. Yeah. And no, I was like, is, right. I'm probably friends with her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. One of them, they had to create, Facebook account. My teenage children would like me to stay far, far away from all of their social media. So th- they're like, yeah. I think please don't why. come to Instagram. Yeah. So, but yeah. so they, they have that, you know, sort of knowledge and, and know how, you know, we think yes. like, oh, we're the experts, like we're the experts in certain, like we know, we know what we know. Yeah. They know a whole lot of other stuff that we don't know that will help get our, you yeah. know, spread the word and be more effective. And, and, and I, you know, they, it, it's, it's like oxygen to them. It's, it's, you know, their native digital learners on that, you know, with social media. And I, I discovered that the, the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, 2010 and 11, where no jobs in government were being hired except social media. And I <laughs> yeah. said, that's because all the folks my age have to hire you because we don't want to learn. We don't want to do it. And it's just so natural yeah. for us to ask you to reach the people we want to reach, which is you. Yep. Yep. So there's yeah. a lot of opportunities, I think. And, and I, and I love the idea that, that the Fullerton observer is opening those doors um, and, and inviting people in to help. I think we're a good mix. Of, I mean, I, I, what, what I like about it anyway, I mean, again, I'm, you know, I'm relatively new to the whole, the whole thing, but, it's a good mix of like old school and new school. Like we're old school. I love that we're still a print newspaper. I mean, that, that's amazing to me. You know, you can 
read it, you know, uh, <laughs> inky newspaper. Yes. It, it still exists. And, and, but we're also trying to embrace, you know, obviously, you know, the internet and social media and kind of how do you balance those things in a way where they don't compete with one another necessarily, but right. they, they enhance one another. You know, I think that's kind of the challenge right now. Absolutely. And, and I, and I think that social media is really great at, um, at some things, you know, the immediacy, the call to action, the events, and that we're really losing. I used to long, I mean, I'm so going to age myself of telling students to get the Orange County Register on Mondays because it had the events around the county list. And that was where you found out what was going on. Um, And so social media has certainly made that a lot easier, Um, but it has accelerated the old axiom of a lie can get all the way across the world before the truth gets its boots on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, so, I, I think there, there's a certain kind of um, like a certain kind of reading that happens too, when you're reading like a, a physical newspaper where you're not really being bombarded with, you're reading something on your phone, you, you'll get like updates or like those weird algorithms that'll sort of like yes. intentionally distract your attention. So I think right. there's a kind of a, a long form attention or attentiveness that's needed that's that's the cool part about still reading like a physical book or a newspaper that you can't you're not being constantly distracted with stuff yeah well there's also the 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 hierarchy of a newspaper I mean it is you know I I think we have to teach even if if uh, the next generation is only going to get their news online and on mobile devices I think there is a value of teaching the hierarchy of the newspaper which is that you get told what's most important by what's on the front page. You get told what's most important by the font size. If it's font size 100, the war is over. If (laughs) it's A27, read it when you want, because it's probably going to be in in the paper tomorrow and the next day, because it's not as important. And for me, the media literacy that I think is so important to teach is how do you discern what's urgent and what's relevant and what's important. Yeah. And I think the physical paper does such a great job, but because you have indicators that just get flattened online. Yeah. Every story is equally important. Every story has the same font and design. And so your brain can't even distinguish. Yeah. Mm. Like this is important and this is maybe ignorable or, or, you know, sure. Yeah, totally. You still have, you want another cup of coffee? We got more to tell you. Yeah. (laughs) But if you need to go, we're fine because you are now past the important section of what you need to know before you leave the house. Yeah. And, and I had to turn some of my um, news alerts off because I, you know, I turned the news alerts on to interrupt me for if a Supreme court justice died, not if, you know, Nissan has a new car. <laughs> yeah. And I just was like, what? Yeah. Like, how how are they ruining that? Mm. A news alert should have urgency that this is what you absolutely have to know. And instead they I I don't know if they were ad, you know, selling advertising dollars or just they were like, we have a quota of how many news alerts we're supposed to publish every single day and push them out. And so those national algorithms and capitalist drivers have even 
kind of ruined news alert. So I turn them off. And uh, I alert, somebody yeah. will tell me if something crucial happens. And and inevitably it does. My social media blows up with everybody posting those things. Our, That's yeah. Our our papers news alerts do not uh advertise. So uh we're we're very we we appreciate non uh bombarding of advertisements yeah. as much as possible. They they are important to our, you know, to to find find things. You need to know that they're out there, but right. you need to, you know, if you are looking for a good plumber, you can look in our paper and find something or on our uh, online. Yes. But they they're not going to be, you know, uh, right. constantly uh trying to get your attention as much as possible. So Right, right. Yeah. And and I and I think that's important because because I feel like the national news media is the boy who cried wolf. I I no longer can listen because it's just incessant and it's not and it turns out not to be true. It's not a news alert. You know, it's barely I, I, news. I I really started to try to find my own information when the OJ Simpson trials started and it was inundated on the radio everywhere. It was on every single channel everywhere all the time. It was the front page constantly. Now I thought I was the only person in America that had a personal boycott. I would not watch or read anything about it. And it's the same. It was a soap opera. Yeah. Pretending to be news. And and of course, it's a court case, and it should have been covered at the beginning and the end, but not the daily telenovela, every single character becoming its own spinoff. It was the reality TV beginnings it, yes. it, for me. It was, yes. it was the, we're going to hire a bunch of actors to play reenactments of real yes. events every single day. That, that yeah, I, I agree. That definitely has to go in the events that led to the decline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me what changes you're making. We, we've kind of talked about a little bit of the podcast and about bringing new people in. Um, so how can young people get involved and what direction are you heading? You want to go south? Uh, so if you want to get involved in the paper, you can send a request to, you can go on our website at fullertonobserver.com, or you can send a request to ads, ads um, at fullertonobserver.com to direct email me. Um, and then I will send out an application and our policy and our deadline sheet so that you know exactly where we stand and um sure and then we invite you to a writers meeting and then we kind of go over our our weekly ideas of what what we think are, are interesting news items Jesse leads mm -hmm. that and yeah, and if you have a you know a story idea uh, that either you want to write or even like a tip, like uh, you know, because we're we're always you know it's Fullerton's a big small town, you know it's you know there's a lot of stuff happening that just you know we don't necessarily are aware of, and so you know you can always email. Also, my email is contact so c o n t a c t at fullertonobserver.com. And um, yeah, you can email me if you have or if you want to write or if you want to if you have a story idea or 
a you know tip or anything like that. Uh, that I check that daily. So uh, we're really community oriented. So anybody from the community can write a letter to the editor and say, I'm really disturbed about this, or I, you know, or I lost my dog or, you know, um, whatever, whatever sure. the story is, I, I saw water, you know, spouting out on, uh, Chapman and, and Harbor for eight hours and nobody was doing right. anything, <laughs> you know, yes, whatever yes. the thing is. We, we're and, interested. We're, we're like the next door before next door happened. Right. Know? Right. <laughs> I, don't know yeah. I don't know if I like that next door comparison. Next door is a not, awkward. not with what next door often becomes. Yeah. No, um, well, well, with yes. editors, you know, yes, yeah. with editors, <laughs> with, yeah. with content moderation. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you asked, you know, as far as the direction and, and, and that before, before you get started, Jesse, I think that is the danger in a city that doesn't have, a Fullerton observer that doesn't have local media is it does become, you know, Brea buzz and Brea next door are how people in my town communicate and there is no moderation and it often descends into the lowest common denominator. And yeah. it it's hard to get actual information. And then of course there's the bias of the, the person with the most uh, typing wins the argument Right. And 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 that's a problem yeah. as well. So Jesse, you were going to say, well, yeah, but I think I think you know we strive. I mean, me, like I said, I, I cover the council meetings, and then you know other reporters in the, in the news stories that we write about important things. I mean, we strive to be that hopefully factual, you know, relatively in depth, but also interesting and engaging. You know, covering those kinds of stories that. Are not getting covered, but covering them, yeah, in a way where it's we're not trying to, um, like it's not coming from a place of like anger or vitriol or anything. Like it's coming from a place of like I mean, maybe there's a little bit of anger if something bad's happening, but like it's coming from a place of of like trying to really understand what's happening and you know giving people like empowering people with as much information. Um, yes, as we can, and and so and where to go to get involved? The, where to go to get involved? And and I think that that's crucial. And and I I think that that is the the town crier aspect of right. you know this is happening. It it we can change it. We we can reopen the Fullerton Museum. We can get people involved in the library. We need to know where the you know millions of dollars of COVID funding are coming from. There are big, big decisions being made by our school boards, by our city council. And we don't, what we don't want in local politics is for the loudest voices to win. Yeah. We when the loudest, the loudest voices, voices to win, we want the loudest voices who are justified at, yeah. who, who are making a change for the better of everyone who, yeah. who know that, that there's, so like, for instance, we ran a story a while ago about the cameras not being in any of the the public parking, which was a scary thing. And the public parking had gotten, you know, it, it kind of hazardous. Yes. And so the, the, the city is now putting, putting cameras in yes. those areas. Um, and the, or a, a while ago when we wrote, uh, wrote something about uh, Fox theater, uh, you know, and and J Jane Reifer and Chuck Estes took up the the mantle and ran you know ran over ran after that 
Yes. Uh, raised, I think, $11.5 million, something like that, right? What was it, Jesse? He's better that was a little that. before. That was a little before <laughs> my time, um, but... Yeah, several million dollars in a yeah. period of time. Well, and, and I think that the Fox Theater is a great example of, I mean, <clears throat> everything I know about the Fox Theater comes from the Fullerton Observer. It's not a story that's going to rise to the Los Angeles Times. And it's not, you know, Coyote Hills and Fox Theater are things that you can't just read about once. It has to be ongoing and the pressure and, and how long has the fight for Coyote Hills been going on? And it can, it can be really difficult to, to keep that in mind without the Fullerton Observer local journalism really galvanizing people, giving them, and now, of course, with internet searches, super easy to find out the history of it. I was, it uh, we were actually just talking about this this morning my, with my mom, um, how, you know, so many things get picked up and um, and they change a little bit. And once they change a little bit, everybody kind of relaxes and stops going forward. I think the, the it's important. So like Coyote Hills had, has had many different people come in and try to help it and save it. Uh, Fullerton Heritage from yes. Coyote Hills. Um, uh, I can't remember all the people, um, but they well, dad, you, know, you, you have like a wave of yes. energy that comes and you need to have that so that the, the you know get get more people interested and, and to keep it Correct. going until it's finished because if, if you lose if you get a little bit you know gain a little bit of ground and then relax yes. like yes. women's rights <laughs> or, oh so many things i can't believe we're still fighting about the voting rights act of 1965 right i mean being dismantled yeah. So, so many things, you know, we, we, we think, oh, we've gained some, some traction. It's just yes. going to naturally continue. We have to see things through yes. and, and it's, it's a hard thing to not, you know, get exhausted right. when you're up against right. that wall constantly. Yeah. And I think that new wave of energy and passing the baton is really crucial. Really. So Jesse, before we go to my end of show questions. I, I, I think you were trying to interrupt there and add and, and amplify. Oh, and if I uh, misread you, that's fine too. No, but I think the new wave of of people. This often happens in Zoom, where like I, I, <laughs> I and then I forget what I was going to say. Um, but that's all right. Uh, no, I was just going to say with with Cowdy Hills, just add a little bit of history. Um, Ralph Kennedy also, he you know him, he was involved in an organization called Choose. It was an acronym that was, I think, the first um, effort to save Cowdy Hills back when like Robert Ward, you know, who was. Uh, mayor and Robert Ward, like there's the Robert Ward Nature Preserve that's named after Bob Ward. But anyway, I don't know all all that history, but I know that like it goes back, yeah. you know, generations now that struggle. Absolutely. So uh, we're gonna we, when we have two people, I'm gonna trade off. And so Jesse, I'll start with you, and then uh, Sakia, we can have you answer. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that question, and I, I have to say. Um, I remember it was like maybe 2008 or nine. And I, I met, um, Gustavo Ariano, who, you know, Gustavo, you know, he's I do. A, at that time he was a writer for OC weekly and, uh, he had a, a oh, RIP OC weekly. I missed uh, that. So sad. 
but yeah, I, I ran into him. He he did a like it was like an author reading. He'd had a book that just come out, and I was um, you know Orange I, County, a personal history. Yes, and I was um, I don't know just talking to him, and you know like I, I was like I want you know I want to be a writer, and you know I, and like you know it's not like the most profound advice, but basically his advice was like just keep writing, like just sort of like do it you know do it regularly, do it consistently, and so I you know I started a blog. Not not 100% because of, you know, hint of that advice, but kind of. And then, you know, like just kind of give it, getting in the rhythm of just kind of writing about stuff you care about, you know, regularly. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of naturally evolved into my role, you know, now is, you know, writing for the Observer and editing and stuff. So I, I would say just if you're interested in writing, then go write. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Sakia. Um. I think that uh, the best advice, I, I have a couple of them actually, okay. but um, keep going. So even if in your darkest hour, in your your bot, rock bottom, that's just about the time when you're, you know, you've given up, you're about to see the light, you're about to see the, the some help in some way, you're going to be okay. Just keep going and don't give up. And, um, the other thing is if you, you, you can change, you can change yourself and you can change the society you live in by voicing what you see is the problem and hoping and and finding people who believe that or see that and want to make a change and asking you know, how can I make a difference? How can I make, Yeah. how can we figure out how to, how to get to the next step? What is the next step? I love it. So, so what's a book you like to recommend to people? What should we be reading? Oh, okay. So I had a, a way too many, but one of them is Biff. It's B-I-F-F. It's uh, by Bill Eddy. It's basically, um, responses to um high conflict people how to, how to how to interact with them in a way that that diffuses the situation a little bit and i'm terrible at it i need to read it all the time <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so um that that would and then five stars by camille gallo um I, I, it's a great way of communicating and, and, um, and yeah, that's it. Those okay. are the- And Jesse. Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. You know, I'm definitely a, a bookworm. So I, a lot of books I'd you know like to recommend, but I guess one that I, that I thought of that I would recommend is a book called consider the lobster. And it's a book by, um, David Foster Wallace. He was a <sighs> novelist and a writer who he passed away too early, but it's a collection of essays in which he he really interrogates in kind of like funny but meaningful ways things that people might not normally kind of interrogate. So like um, the title comes from him going and reporting on as a reporter the Maine Lobster Festival, but it it ends up becoming this really because he's a very just I don't know like intellectual guy or whatever like he sure. becomes this whole like moral treatise on the ethics of boiling lobsters and like or you know that kind of thing where. And he like his whole thing is like looking at seemingly ordinary uh, events and mm-hmm. ordinary things and like seeing like um, 
the like the depth and meaning that that we might yeah. kind of overlook in this. He's things. a brilliant writer. Yeah, and and yeah, absolutely gone too too soon. Oh, like the broader reach of what that means. Yeah, idea. Yeah, yes. or even just even just in your for yourself or your own community, you know, just kind of like yeah. paying paying more attention to things that that you might overlook. And my book club, uh, uh, political science book club at Fullerton College, is reading *The Color of Law* by Richard Rothstein, oh. and I think it it fits beautifully in with with what the two of you have shared about our own local redlining and restrictive covenants for housing, um, and and really investigating. I think the local um, history of national trends. I think too often we forgive and pretend like all of those problems in the past were things that happened in other places. Um, and, right. and to really understand that and, and Gustavo Ariana, uh, you know, his coverage of uh, Orange County of personal history is a great way to, to get some of those local history um, messages. So is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners, Jesse? Uh, I would say, I mean, I think it's it's been said already today, but I mean, definitely, I believe it just from my own experience and observation that you can make a difference, you know, like people can feel overwhelmed by the events of the world at large, you know, you can feel like very alone and disempowered, you know, mm-hmm. and like, but, um, you know, I, the, way that, the way that I think you can make a difference is by getting involved in your own local community, you know, finding, you know, uh, uh, maybe it's a group or a nonprofit or a political, you know, club or, or, or a political movement or something, you know, I've seen people do organize and, and accomplish amazing things, even at the city council level, you know, in terms of like advocating for their neighborhood, advocating for, um, you know, yes. for things that they care about that affect them and their kids and their families. So you can make a difference and, you know, start locally. Love it. Wow. Uh, yeah, exactly what he said. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, I, I think that, that uh, the people who are um, the, the giants whose shoulders we've climbed, mm. we will be the giants someday. So, oh. uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Prepare your shoulders, right? Yeah. To, to remember that we are yes. the people preparing the absolutely the, the way. So, so finally, who should we talk to next? Oh, I have a good one. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> I think Angela Lindstrom, who's part uh, part of the Friends of Coyote Hills, and also uh, on the commission for Parks and Rec in the city, she's uh, an amazing person. I think she would be a great person to speak to. And also Savannah uh, Brooks at, um, she's a professor at Cal State. And um, I think, I forget, uh, she's, she does gender and race relations. She Love would be a, a fantastic person. Huh? Good. <clears throat> so, and then of course, it. Allison Edwards at OC Human Relations. One of my favorites. <laughs> um are, are you asking like who should you talk to just to kind of for the podcast yeah no, just for the podcast um gosh i don't know I, I, jody i think you've done stuff on um on housing right have you done any podcasts lately on kind of like housing questions not enough that kind of thing yeah i mean there's always more yeah i, I i've been wanting to organize and maybe we can we could collaborate on this on doing some kind of a like a, a talk about you know the housing sort of 
affordability crisis and like, you know, it's this thing that everybody talks about. So I know, you know, some folks like um, also with the Kennedy Commission, Cesar Covarrubias, uh, he's involved in like affordable housing. Um, you mentioned David Galanders with Pathways of Hope. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, even you know, some council members, you know, I think it would be fun to, to like get different perspectives on this question of. Uh, I. I hear a collaboration with the Fullerton Observer and a slice of orange on a panel discussion. And we can uh, post the video, maybe a YouTube channel of somebody who uh, is listening to this and wants to start a YouTube channel for us because we have a need for tech help. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, I love it. Add to that Jane Reifer and Jane Rands. Um, two people who are very knowledgeable about what's going on in in uh, yeah. housing today, yeah. also as far as the pol- political aspects. Yeah, that's great. Because oh. the, the the other thing I use all of these recommendations for is my students do community problem projects and have to find the people in the community and and one of one of the the the, the missing parts that we don't always realize. We talk a lot about basic needs and. Um, first-generation students and, and the needs that they have, and one of the needs that they have is connections. One of the needs they have is network. And so, you know, my students who come on for the Fullerton Observer, suddenly the doors open and there's this community of people who they get connected with. It's one of the the, the, the magical parts of getting involved is suddenly they get to meet this incredible network of people who have been waiting for them. Yep. So I so love uh, this conversation. I can't wait to come back and talk to you again uh, down the road. Uh, So thank you. This has been a slice of orange. It's been so lovely meeting you. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thanks, Jody.